Getting hitched? There's a podcast for that, and you're listening to it. The Save the Date Wedding Podcast, the number one podcast about all things wedding-y. And other things. <laughs> I feel like I need to put a little disclaimer because, you know, if you're new to the Save the Date Wedding Podcast, you will quickly find that, yeah, I talk a lot about weddings, how to plan one, how to stay sane, how to make sure you actually get to the altar. But there's also other stuff I like to just throw in because... I think that's what makes wedding planning fun. And I know that when you're with your girlfriends and guy friends, you talk about other stuff and you don't want to just hear me talking about wedding dresses. And if you do, well, you might be on the wrong podcast. I don't want you to send you away though. Stay, give it a go. You've got to give everything a chance in life. I am Alicia, the host of the Save the Date Wedding podcast. I am uh, an Australian living in London. I'm a comedian and author. I've done a lot of jobs over the years. If you've listened back to the wedding podcast before, this is episode 86. It's a Q&A Thursday episode, but uh, throughout the podcasts, I've been sort of educating you on my career highlights, and there's been many so far and many to come, I'm sure, but I worked a lot in television over the years, still do, to be honest, and uh, my adventures in TV have taken me to faraway places I've interviewed people like Richard Branson and uh, oh, Mel Mel B, Scary Spice. I danced with her one day, which was fun. Lots of prime ministers, which is always weird. I have to put my very serious voice on. I once, and I don't think I've told this story before on the podcast, I was producing radio in Australia. I was a lowly, like an assistant producer. And um, we managed to hang up on the Australian Prime Minister by accident. Uh, well, he wasn't, I tell you now, I wasn't a fan of this Prime Minister. But we had him on as an interviewee and there was a button that was pushed that just, just hung up on him. And we were like, Jesus Christ, what are we going to do? And we had to redial. And you don't just ring a prime minister back. I'm going to be honest with you. You have to go through various ways and means and switchboards and stuff. And we were live on air at that time. So I'll tell you, you know, making a wedding podcast is a lot more cruisy and chill than doing live current affair radio. See, again, these are the things, these are the stories. I've gone on off on a tangent, but you know a little bit more about me. Today is all about you, though. Forget about me, enough about me. Let's talk about you and your wedding planning and your conundrum slash problem slash advice that you're sending me. And I am sharing with you the fellow Save the Daters. That's what I'm calling you now. I, ha I can't keep saying Save the Date listeners. You're the Save the Daters. If you've got a better name, let me know. Let me know. So today we are talking all about step families. I've got a question about step families that's coming up. I'm also talking about booking your hotels in advance for guests. This is called, uh, well, sometimes this is called, this is, I'm just making this up, really. It's block booking, really. It's when you book a hotel and uh, you can block out a series of rooms for your guest, sometimes at a discount. So I've got a question, a very good question about this, because I think this is not spoken about very much on the wedding blogs, and it's sometimes confusing as to how you would negotiate that. And lastly... I wanted to talk to you about working with mothers and mother-in-laws when it comes to money and control. You wouldn't believe how many questions I get 
about, well, the in-laws in general, but also this idea that I have labeled conditional generosity. And I've talked about it before on the podcast, but it seems to keep coming back. And it's a problem that plagues us not only in our wedding planning life, but I also think life in general. And that's when people attach their generosity to clauses. Uh, that's it. So hopefully I will get through all of those questions in this wedding planning podcast. If you have a question for me, write to me. That's all you need to do or text it. I'm not going to give you my phone number. That'd be weird, but you can tweet it to me at save the date. PC is my Twitter handle. I'm also on Instagram and I love following you guys back on Instagram because people share. I think it's a different sort of community on Instagram. You share funny stuff. You share life photos. It's nice to see who you all are. Put faces to the names and uh, just connect. So I am, unfortunately, Instagram's a bit of a longer name. It's Alicia underscore save the date. You'll find me. I've got no doubt. Just Google it. If you Google my name, Alicia Save the Date Podcast, it all comes up. And also all the rest of my stuff. So you can Google stalk me if you so wish. Shall we jump to the questions? I think we shall. Sometimes I wonder if you can hear the sirens that happen outside uh, my home where I'm recording this. I wish I was saying I'm recording this from a very high-tech studio facility in my very own private podcasting radio station studio, but I'm not. It's in my home, and sometimes it sounds like the apocalypse may be happening outside. I live in central London. Shit seems to go down all the time here, and no one cares. When I lived in Australia, if a siren happened, you ran to the windows and went, what the hell is going on? Something must be happening. Whereas here, sirens pass every day, and no one cares. I mean, the world could be ending right now, and no one would turn their heads. These are the lessons you learn when you move to a big city. I'm from Tasmania originally. There's another fun fact for you. So uh, sirens really mean the end of the world where I'm from. However, I have a wonderful email from a lovely lady called Kim, and she has just a really simple subject line, step parents. And uh, I guessed as soon as I opened this, this wasn't perhaps going to be a positive message about step parents, because generally they cause problems. She says, hello, first of all, your podcast is saving my life. Thank you. Well, I'll add that to my CV. It's very nice of you to say, Kim. I'm encouraged already by this intro. I got engaged two months ago and knew nothing about wedding planning and you've helped me more than anything else. Goodness. Thank you, Kim. Thank you so much. I have a bit of a dilemma with my dad and my stepmother. I hate her. When I was little, she would always talk about me and when she thought I couldn't hear and about my dad as well and how much she hated us and how difficult it was to have us around. She only cares about her son, my half-brother, and has always just seen me as there for his entertainment. I've always tried to be nice, but lately as I've gotten older, it's become worse and worse and I don't want to be around her. Do I really have to invite her to my wedding? My dad says I do, and that if I don't, he probably won't come. He says all the experts, air quotes there, say I have to, and that he'll make sure she doesn't do anything bad. But even if she does behave, I'll be stressed having her there. Please help! Double exclamation mark. Thank you so much, Kim. I mean, that's a tough email to write for anyone, and I think you've been especially brave and honest about 
where you stand and your feelings. Now, I can talk from coming from a step family that it is, well, I'm going to say, I'm going to swears, I'm going to go, it can be fucking hard for everyone involved. Whether you have been embraced as the stepchild or whether you have been rejected as so many stepchildren are, and I don't mean that in an abusive way, I just mean it can be really hard for families to integrate and to be expected to be getting along and be harmonious all the time when it's just not likely that that's going to happen very easily. Some step families just get it together and it all works and they're all Brady Bunch, even though secretly I think the Brady Bunch had some deep, dark problems. But it, it, in these situations, you can't, you can't make it happen. And also, I like to remind myself as being a stepchild and also other stepchildren that we came into this situation not voluntarily in a way. We were made to be a part of these families that have been blended and we were the children in these situations and the adults are the ones that should behave properly and be adult about it, basically. You don't have any real way as a child to compartmentalize and process these things. And from the sounds of your stepmother, she didn't sound like she was a nurturing, caring, well-adjusted person that went out of her way to make it all work. I'm being very judgy, but I think from what you're saying, she clearly spoke out of line and probably wasn't necessarily someone that was supportive for you as a child. And I can absolutely see where you're coming from when it comes to your big day. Now, saying that, I am also... Uh, I want to say charged with being a person that should be slightly neutral when giving advice. I haven't obviously spoken to the other part, the other persons in your dilemma, your stepmom and your dad. But I will say that there are things you can control in your life, but who your parents choose to marry really aren't one of them. So saying that, I think you do have a choice as to who you invite to your wedding and how you go about doing that. Of course, I am an outsider, and again, you should take my advice with a grain of salt, and I feel like there should be some disclosure, everyone listening, that I'm not a counsellor, I'm not a trained psychotherapist, but I have been there and done that, and I have uh, been in your shoes. I wouldn't say my relationship with my stepmother is of the similar ilk to yours, but I did go through a lot of trouble as a kid trying to integrate into that family, and I don't necessarily think it was easy for any of us. And I'm an only child, and I didn't have another brother or sister to go home and go, well, that sucked. So there it is. My question for you, Kim, and for everyone out there in a similar situation with either step families or other family members that are causing issues for you when it comes to should you invite them or not is I like to do a bit of reverse psychology and reverse questioning here and that's take it to the opposite end of the end of the spectrum and ask if you didn't invite her what would be the implications what what would you gain by not having her there. And I ask this for you listening as well. If there's someone in your life that you think you don't want to invite, and I'm not talking about friends of the family or a second cousin. I'm talking about someone that is 
a key member of your family that you may not get along with or a key member of your parents' family that you feel, and again, we talk about obligation guests, but these are people that would normally have gotten an invite if they have behaved correctly or you get along with them. So I want you to try and separate this idea of an obligation guest as a workmate and someone that's close to you and that normally probably would be invited to your wedding day if you were doing it by the books. So the next question I have to ask then is, what yeah, what would you gain by not having her there? And you say stress-free, but then also you would probably lose the fact that your dad, you'd probably lose your dad. He probably, sounds like he probably wouldn't come along. Will, will her not being invited end up causing you more stress and perhaps your partner and family a bit more stress? And it might be a bit controversial if you do uh, decide not to invite her and I have to ask about her son as well and where it all stands. And, you know, will her not being involved be more trouble than her just coming along and, as you say, blending in? And if your dad looks after her and says, behave, God, I mean, what sort of adult has to be told to behave in the first place? Anyway, for another time. I I really do practice what I preach and I, I absolutely say to you, Kim, you've got to follow your gut, that feeling in your tummy that says, is this the right thing to do? However, I feel today I'm going to go out on a limb and say that if stepmother isn't there and your dad decides not to come to the wedding, that, you know, it would be such a shame if you don't have him there because he does sound like he means a lot to you and... I think in these situations, both you and him would really regret it if he didn't come just because of her behavior and actions. So I I thank you for sending this through to me, Kim. I think it's a really bold move to share that with me. And thank you for allowing me to share this with other Save the Daters. You know, it's a really emotive decision. And I truly believe in these situations, you're much stronger for allowing her to come along and being the bigger person and showing her that she isn't worth the hassle or drama of not inviting her and you glowing and being your gorgeous self and being truly happy and going just you stay over there lady and get in your own corner and have a good time I don't care if you're not having a good time I am and that to me is a much stronger move than dicking around and uninviting her that's my feelings Gee, I really can't wait to hear how you feel, Kim, and I thank you again for sharing that with me. All right, next question I have coming up is from Julie. Julie says, your podcast has helped me immensely. One thing I didn't think I had to worry about was finding hotel blocks for my wedding. But now the hotel I was thinking of telling guests to stay at wants me to sign a contract and if a certain number of rooms aren't booked, I'm responsible. It's hard to come up with a estimate about how many people would want a hotel room. Could you give us some tips about reserving blocks of hotel rooms for wedding guests? Thank you, Julie. So Julie, here's the thing. I I really feel like this is... I don't want to use the word scam because it's not a scam, but what it is is a tricky situation that I do believe a lot of people just agree to because 
well, a lot of people who aren't Save the Date listeners are yes men and who just go about and say, okay, well, if that's the rules, but we want to get that 10% discount, I'll do it. And then the week of the wedding comes around and only 20 people, not 40 people have booked hotel rooms. And then they're in, they're in, they're in deep water. They've, they've got a contract that they've signed. Now, doing some Googling and also looking at some of the forums, this this sort of tactic from hotels is not uncommon, but I also think it is something that you only really need to consider when you are planning perhaps a destination wedding where you are getting married and celebrating at an area that has limited hotel facilities. For example, if it's miles and miles and miles away and you've got to get a shuttle and you've got to pay for that, then perhaps it's good to say, hey, we've got a hotel block, here's 20 rooms and they've perhaps given us a discount, this is where we should all stay, fine. But if you are in the situation where you're getting married in a cap city and people are mainly from your area, perhaps there's some out-of-towners, my first instinct is to send a save the date and one way I think this is a very clever and free way that you can do this is to set up a Pinterest board, a private Pinterest board, where you can invite all of your guests to be contributors and uh, uh, viewing these boards. And there are a couple of great tutorials online where you can set up a travel Pinterest board where you can pin all of the hotels in the area that you recommend they book and stay. Now, these private boards, if, if you've never used Pinterest, a lot of people just pin things and never look at all the extra added awesomeness that Pinterest offer. And I think it's sort of under underutilized, especially when it comes to wedding planning. Early, early, early in the podcast, I think it's episode three, I did a whole episode about do you need a Pintervention? I was going through a real phase, which I still am, of saying we probably spent far too much time on Pinterest. But in that episode, I do talk about all these sort of great tricks of the trade that you can use with Pinterest to organize your wedding and use it sort of like a wedding website if you don't want to go and build one yourself, which again, I still think is an awesome idea. So Pinterest has this uh, map facilities. If you look up Pinterest map and uh, you can pin various things on the map in your private Pinterest board. I mean, you can make it public. Just don't have people looking at it if you're not going to invite them to the wedding. It could be rude. So you uh, can choose hotels and then choose to place them on the map. And then share that with your friends and family and then they can see where you'll be getting married and the distance away from the venue to their hotels. If This is if you do not wish to book a block of hotel rooms in one specific area. So you could also choose in your save the dates to simply print out a bit of paper or print out a card. It doesn't have to be fancy that you can add in saying here are the top 10 TripAdvisor hotels in my area that uh, we suggest if you're looking for somewhere to stay, this is where you can stay. One thing I have been seeing people do is find uh, hotel discount codes that they share with their guests. There is, I'm always talking about joining top cashback, Ebates, these sort of websites where 
I know now I could click on there today and see that they have a number of accommodation websites and they give you cash back for booking and they also give you discount codes. You can do this by looking up voucher codes also online and perhaps giving your guests a discount that way and then you're not locked into any contract. I find this idea that they have said to Julie, you need to say that you're going to be using this this amount of rooms. I think it's sort of scammy and a little cheeky as well for them to be trying to push you into agreeing about something that you really have no power over. You don't really want to become the hotel reservation bride where everyone is going through you and everyone is trying to organize their accommodation through you because I guarantee you, Julie, that when you get to two or three weeks out of the wedding, which is when a majority, I'm not kidding, a lot of your guests will go, oh, fuck, the wedding's coming up. Let's get a hotel. Uh, that's probably when panic sets in and when you'll be getting annoying phone calls from people going, Julie, how about that hotel room? Have we still got that hotel room? What's the discount? How do I book that? What goes on there? Can you do it for me? I don't know how to use the internet. Is there some sort of specific area we should all be staying? Can I have a room next to it? No, stop it. It's not your problem. So, Julie, I think you should perhaps shop around, look at other hotels if this is definitely a priority for you, depending on where you are getting married. Can I suggest that you call another five hotels, spend half an hour and ask them about their methods of booking? And if it's not peak season, perhaps they're willing to hold a couple of rooms for you. And also what sort of discounts they will be offering you and your guests. It's also very wise to go on to uh, their website. And then, as I said, go on to some uh, Expedia. Also, there's a website that I use a lot. It is called, I'm going to say it wrong, Venere, V-E-N-E-R-E dot com. It's one of those websites that I seem to always get really good hotel deals. Just a suggestion. There's no pressure to do this. But to go on and to check their rack rate and to check if it's any cheaper booking through them as well. I think you are very nice to be even inquiring about hotels and uh, going out of your way to do that. But again, if this isn't an out-of-town wedding or if you only got a couple of out-of-towners, they're probably going to be going out of their way to be booking flights and therefore hotels as well. So Julie, go and fight the good fight. Go back to them. Be informed and uh, don't take their shit, basically. I think the big thing is for you to just be empowered with going, I don't want to sign a contract. Give me the discount or say, okay, we probably will be using 10 rooms maximum. But if you are going to enter into anything, always under under agree, basically. Remember um, my lovely, lovely guest from episode 73, I do believe, Christy Asselin, who is a wedding lawyer, suggested whenever you're looking at contracts to read them thoroughly and also get your partner to read them, get someone else to read them as well to make sure you're not missing something. And I'm not saying that as a ding-dong woman thing. That's not a sexist thing at all. I just mean whether you're a boy or a girl, if you feel a little unsure about the contract, get someone else to have a look and suss it out especially if you're spending a lot of money and especially if the implications of you defaulting on that contract means deep financial shit. Thank you again, Julie. Visit savethedatepodcast.com to send me your question. 
time for one more question on the podcast. And uh, <laughs> Lauren has written to me. She says, hey, Leisha, you're the only one I could think of that might have an answer. No pressure. No pressure at all. To make a long story short, my fiance's mother said if we got married at the reception hall, she would pay for the ceremony fee. I said no, because I wanted a church wedding. My fiance got mad at me because I said that I, that he said that I was being rude because they'd offered. Now she's suggesting a photographer that I don't be capitals like. And if we decide to go with it, she'll pay for them. Help. I'm by no means made of money. I do not want to fight or seem rude, but this is my wedding. What do I do? Help. I love this line. Angry and frustrated. Lauren. Lauren, listen to me. Listen to your virtual bridesmaid, Alicia. I want you to have a big, long think, a big, long, special man up think, because you're going to have some words to this woman, because I do not like her attitude. We all know, no matter how good and warm and sweet our relationships are with family and friends, that wedding, weddings and power and money, it's a, it's a bit of a clusterfuck, I'm going to be honest with you, of, of people trying to outdo each other. And I think, well, it really annoys me that something that I think you're suffering is what I called earlier on, and I've said it before, is, is conditional generosity. It's when someone, i.e. your mother-in-law, says, hello, I'm being very generous. I'm giving you this gift, but only if you do what I say. You've got to do what I say. But I'm being so generous. So really, in turn, it's not being generous at all. It's being pushy. It's very manipulative. And it actually turns it on its head and 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 this is the thing your fiance is picking up probably you know I, I don't want to be mean but he's defending his mother because that's what well sons do a lot of the time but also he's not really seeing it from the angle I'm seeing it and certainly the angle you're seeing it and it's it's really hard because the offerer your month your future mother-in-law has has put you in a situation where she's offering you these generous, and I'm air quoting the fuck out of generous, contributions, but only if you do it her way. So that's not fair. And I really think in these situations, and this is a tough one to hear because you probably don't want it, you, you know, I mean, we all want a magic solution that does not involve having to confront your future mother-in-law, but go with me. I just want you to come on this journey, everyone who's having any problem with mother-in-laws. They are generalizing again, but it can be really tough uh, for you to have to go in and negotiate with someone who seems unwilling to negotiate. Now, this is going to be probably tricky on your bank balance, but I think this is your day, as you say in capitals. It is your day. It's your wedding. And a good tactic for me and for what I, my advice is to politely thank her for the offer, but say that you appreciate it. You think she's very generous because that's what she wants to hear, but you've had your heart set on getting married in a church. That's not unreasonable. I can't think, I don't think she can argue with your faith and wanting to do that. And for example, you found another photographer that you would like to use. What does it matter if you use her photographer or not? What power play is she using to say you have to use this photographer unless she's getting some sort of shady under the table deal? Then you need to confront her about that. 
And you need to say you aren't willing to compromise with her decisions and with these decisions. And you thank you very much. And I really believe that speaking up at this specific juncture in your life and relationship, and I I say this to all of you listening who may be having some issues with future in-laws, if you step up, and I'm not meaning being an asshole, I'm not saying to yell or scream, I'm saying to be really calm and controlled and mature and polite, but by stepping up and cementing your place as an individual who's coming in and being a part of their family and you're being they're being a part of your family, but also not taking any shit, but also coming in and saying, hey, I'm an individual. You may have bossed your own kids around for the last 20 to 30 years, but I'm a new person and you need to treat me and my feelings and my wants and needs with some respect. And I love your son or daughter and I want us to do what we want to do And by stepping up and owning it, you can own it and you can also set up that relationship a little bit more so she doesn't pull the shit on you for the next 30 to 50 years. Because if she's doing this now, what is she going to be like when you have a kid? What is she going to be like when you buy a house or you make other big life decisions? I think you really should be using this to your advantage. And by no means am I saying this is going to be an easy feat And there are crazy, crazy people out there, but if you word it right and you take your time and you ease her into it and you use some clever terminology about this is not going to work for me, thank you so much, I really appreciate it, but we are working on this together and we have decided that we would prefer to go this way and fucking back off, Uh, that would be probably a good move for you. Now, you might be saying, Alicia, you're crazy. You're whack. It's not going to happen. But as Rage Against the Machine say, take the power back. That's what I want you to do. That's your homework for this week, Lauren. Everyone else out there, your homework for this week is to chill, is to go back and listen to more Save the Date Wedding podcasts. If you so wish, there's no pressure. I'm not telling you what to do. There's no conditional generosity attached to my generosity of making podcasts for you. Here's my conditional generosity. Actually, I will do it. There you go. This is a good way to end being a total hypocrite. I would really like you to share this podcast with one person and and tell me about it. If you can share, you can spread the word. Oh, I'd give you a thousand blessings, a thousand wedding blessings. And uh, I just want to say, this is number 86, episode 86. We are coming up to episode one freaking hundred. I'm so excited and I have a couple of tricks up my sleeve and uh, I'm not going to say anything now. You got to just build the build the build the excitement. But some fun things coming up for episode 100 and beyond and I'm delighted to share that with you very soon. Also, if you are in London, my London people, don't tune out yet US people, but London people, I will be at the Brides the Show exhibition over the weekend of October the 2nd and 3rd. And I think it's already been announced. It's pretty exciting. Jenny Packham will be there. She designed Princess, well, I'm not allowed to call her that, Princess Catherine Wills, Kate and Wills, her wedding dress. And I think I'm going to interview her. I'm pretty excited about that. How about that? 
If you want to grab some discount tickets to come along, meet me in person. There it is. They haven't put that on the website. Meet Alicia in person. Not, I'll, I'll be probably amending that very soon. Head to savethedatepodcast.com in the sidebar on the right-hand side. Click on the link and you'll get a discount by head. It's honestly one of the classiest wedding shows I've ever been to. And I'm not saying that I have no affiliation with them besides having my name on the website. It's something I really enjoyed going to and lots of wonderful past guests. Charlie Beard from London Bride, Bruce Russell, who was my very first ever guest on Save the Date. He is the Savoy's wedding planner. He's a classy, classy guy. Wonderful. I think Karen Cinnamon's going to be there from Smashing the Glass. So get involved, come along, buy a ticket and let me know if you're coming and I will find you with my microphone. Until next episode, that's episode 87 on Monday of the Save the Date Wedding Podcast. I hope you have a fantastic week. Thanks so much for listening. Happy days. Save the Date Wedding Podcast. Don't plan your wedding without it.